from the Bet America Radio Network, this is the Who Do You Like podcast. Who do you like? With tips, angles, and information to help you win at sports betting. Now, here's your host, Scott Shapiro. Hey, sports fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Who Do You Like podcast. Coverage of college hoops continues this week with Selection Sunday just five days away and championship week already underway as we speak. Not going to waste any time getting into this week's discussion with guest Matt Humans, but first, just a quick reminder about the promo we have going on for new New Jersey players on Bet America. Earn up to a $500 bonus on your initial deposit. Just use the promo code GET500, that's G-E-T-500, when depositing and get 100% back. All right, my guest today is a guy I was fortunate enough to meet in the Del Mar press box. Hell, I guess it was about five years ago already. He now works at the Vegas Stats and Information Network as their senior editor and as host of The Edge, which airs every day from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time. Highly recommend the show. One of the sharpest college hoops minds I know, Matt Humans. What's up, Matt? Ready for the next few weeks, bud? Scott, I can't wait. I love March Madness, man. It's uh, There are certain times a year you always look forward to, and you mentioned Del Mar. I love going down to the racetrack in uh, July and August, but, you know, Nothing for me. Nothing tops March Madness. I agree. March Madness is the best. Those couple weeks starting kind of now. I mean, obviously, I know both of us enjoy the whole season and uh, even as the build up to this, but the chaos that ensues with the uh, desperation that some teams face as uh, they know it'll be the end of their season is, is awesome. I know you're also uh, into golf a lot, and I kind of put the Masters up there as a as yeah. a, as a uh, time of year that i always look forward to as well and unfortunately i don't get to del get to go to del mar uh, these days much matt so uh i assume you'll hold it down for me <laughs> yeah that's uh unfortunate on your part that's one of the best places in the world to be in the summer you know it's funny you mentioned the masters like that because i was after the national championship game you get a little bit depressed it's been a long college season and uh you love it but you get a little bit depressed when it's over there's no more college basketball for several months, but then you have the Masters to look forward to, so it kind of helps you get over the hangover. And yeah, I love the Masters too. That's that's just part, kind of the uh, part of this whole event. But you know, I've, I've said this many times: people get fired up about the Super Bowl and it's the biggest wagering event of the year. I think uh, this this tournament month uh, far surpasses what goes on in Vegas during the Super Bowl because. You know, not only do you have conference tournament week, which is going on right now, you got games at nine in the morning. Next week, you know, the first uh, couple days, even the first four days of the NCAA tournament, just it's, it is madness, man. From early in the morning to late at night, you got constant action. You got a ton of games. You know, you're not reliant on one game to entertain you, and you know, in hundreds of props like the Super Bowl. If you lose in the morning, you got plenty of games you can fire on to uh, catch up and get ahead. So. There's always opportunities on the board, and I think that's what makes the uh, basketball tournaments in uh, March so great is uh, there are just tons of options on the board from morning to night, and uh, that's what makes it great for uh, sports bettors. Yeah, sometimes the Super Bowl is a bit anticlimactic to me after the whole long season. Like you said, so many opportunities during the regular season and even the playoffs, and then you're stuck with one game to analyze that oftentimes I just – I know a lot of us don't have strong opinions on at that point. The number's probably pretty right. It's a big game. and But, uh, yeah, I've spent a couple uh, first week first weekends uh, in Vegas for March, and uh, 
The only challenging part is being able to uh, go to bed early enough to wake up at 9 a.m. for those games. It's just such a party and such a great time. Uh, highly recommend it to anybody that has never done it. Um, all right, Matt, let's um, real before we dive into specific uh, conferences. Personally, I've always kind of found this week to be a little tricky in terms of handicapping some teams with more to play for. Some teams maybe looking ahead a little bit to the NCAAs. Do you, how do you, how do you attack it? Do you get involved in the futures markets for the, each conference? Do you focus on individual games? Is it more of a case by case basis? I think with, with everything, it's a case by case basis. You know, I don't think you have a blanket philosophy that you always follow. And even if you do, a lot of times you break from that philosophy because you see a bet that you feel like you can't pass on. So uh, I play a few futures in these conference tournaments, but uh, mostly just play it game by game, and you can't fall into that trap that just because the team is in a must-win spot to get the tournament that you got to play them. You know that uh, teams get into must-win spots because they lose a lot of previous games that uh, were must-wins. So, uh, you know, we'll talk about one of those games for both teams in the Big Ten tournament uh, coming up. But you know, I I, I played a few long-shot futures just uh, for the hell of it, kind of like uh, South Carolina. 60 to one to win the year, 50 to one to win the SEC tournament, uh, Penn state at 60 to one to win the big 10. Uh, other than that, I, I found a couple small prices on, um, a couple teams I liked in the conference tournaments, but I don't go too crazy betting the futures. I usually just like to bet these tournaments game by game. And you know what, when, when you get teams on neutral courts in this situation, the crazy things tend to happen. I mean, I don't think you'll see a crazier thing happen in conference tournaments than uh, what happened in the summit last week with a uh, South Dakota state uh, going down to the lowest seed in the conference, you know, so Mike Dom, the dominator is not the Jackrabbits are not going to be in the tournament. I mean, that's about as big as up, an upset as you're going to find in a conference tournament. And uh, you're going to see more of them this week too, because um, you know, when you don't have that home court advantage and the officials uh, whistles, are not always going to favor you. Um, some of these teams that are dominant at home and not so good away from their home court going to be laying too many points. And I do think there's value with underdogs uh, more so than usual in, in situations like this. Yeah, like you said, a little bit of a bummer to not have the dominator in there at that huge upset. Yeah. And uh, on the positive, though, uh, I, I am kind of looking forward to the, you know, by, by March, I'm usually pretty tired of the home court advantages and the whistles that, that seem to persist <laughs> in these uh, big conference plays. I mean, I, as a Wisconsin fan, we get it at home, and then you go on the road, and, you, you know, I remember the Indiana game specifically. It felt like every call, every whistle favored the, uh, the Hoosiers in that game. Um, but, yeah, looking forward to it. And like you said, uh, it's tough for me to get too excited about betting favorites this, in, in this scenario uh, because of all the variables. Let's, uh, let's dive into the ACC, Matt. Already underway in Charlotte as we speak here. Big game between Wake Forest and Miami. But uh, the big news is obviously uh, Duke is likely to get back to Zion Williamson, it appears. However, they will be without Marcus Bolden. Uh, Marquise Bolden, sorry, due to a knee injury, it appears. It looks The way the betting market's shaping up, it looks like obviously bet it relatively is a three-horse three race, as one would expect with three of the best teams in the country. Duke and Virginia, the favorites, and then North Carolina, a little far behind them. Do you see any value in, in, in wagering on any of these teams to win the tournament or anyone to try to beat these teams, or is it kind of a pass for you in terms of the futures market? You know what? ACC is kind of a pass for me, and uh, Zion Williamson's return is obviously going to be hyped in the media. But I, I think it's a lot to ask him to go from uh, zero to full speed right away. And 
you would think his minutes got to be somewhat limited when he comes back. The team still has to adjust to uh, Zion's presence on both ends of the floor. So it's, it's not going to be like uh, business as usual. Like, you know, things are normal when he comes right back. So I think people might expect a little bit too much of Duke as soon as Zion comes back. We might not see, you know, Duke play at its, excuse me, play at its best until, uh, you know, next week in the NCAA tournament. So um, I'm, I'm going to temper my expectations for Duke even when uh, Zion uh, hits the floor again this week. I don't, I don't really want to play any futures in the ACC. I mean, Virginia is a six to five favorite. You can't bet that. Uh, North Carolina is at seven to two. If Carolina wins this tournament, it's going to have to be Duke for the third time, and it's going to have to probably upset Virginia in the title game. And Carolina has not had much success at all against Virginia recently, so. I, I can't make that bet either. I'll give you one team I think is interesting. And uh, I, I'm not saying Louisville is going to win this whole thing, but at 30-1 at to 1, and maybe in a game-by-game basis, you take a look at Louisville because what other team in the country is uh, really capable of doing what the Cardinals did this year? They won by 21 at North Carolina. They were up 23 at home by Duke, and everybody knows how that lead was blown. But still, it's quite an accomplishment to beat Carolina by 21 on the road, to beat Duke by 23. And also at home, Louisville was up 10 at the half on uh, Virginia before getting blitzed in the second half, 37 to 15. And the Cardinals were actually pretty competitive against the Cavs in Charlottesville last week. So, you know, if Louisville won this tournament, I would not fall off my chair like I was shocked. Uh, I don't expect it to happen, but I think that's one team you can look at in the pack there and say uh, if there's a surprise in the ACC, that might be the team. Yeah, great points about them being competitive against the big three teams in there. You mentioned the Virginia game that just happened at Virginia. No one gave them much of a shot, and they were in it down to the stretch. Obviously, we know that, like you said, Louisville's had a hard time closing games. Maybe even if they're not playing in a future scenario or on a money line, uh, you know, if they get to that point, definitely worth taking the points. Should be pretty pretty solid number, right? I mean, against uh, no matter who they play of the big teams, I think they're in the Duke North Carolina part of the bracket. If I'm not mis- as a seven seed, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, well, I think so. that's the case. If I recall the ACC bracket, it's um, it, it's it's just something to keep an eye on, something to consider because. Uh, you know, Louisville's got the potential, obviously, to uh, to make a run in this tournament, knock off, you know, one or maybe even more of the big three. I mean, if you watch those games this season, it's not like Louisville was outclassed uh, by those those opponents. And uh, Chris Mack's one hell of a coach. Despite those late-game collapses, you know, against Duke and uh, Virginia, I still think this team is uh, dangerous. Yeah, I absolutely agree on Chris Mack. Uh, I happen to be here in Louisville, as many of you know, and uh, they have a lot, lot to look forward to with him uh, totally overachieving this year, a huge freshman uh-huh. class next year, especially given the circumstances he walked into. So, uh, yeah, definitely a lot to look forward to. I wanted to give Syracuse a look before that, that Clemson game just because of the Bayheim magic in the past, and they have some things going for them. They really spit up on themselves for 40 minutes in that game at Clemson. I thought they were a good play, getting five points in that game. And Clemson was terrible in the first half. And just hard. That that offense really does struggle at times. Uh, very unimpressed with Howard of late. And, uh, yeah, so I'm with you, Matt. On any, Virginia's a team that I've never really been too uh, heavily involved with in terms of uh, betting. 
on a future situation. But this year, I think this is a different team with DeAndre Hunter, with the offense as good as it is. Is that, a, is that a team that you give a shot to to win it all? I mean, I know they're not a huge price at, by any stretch, but a lot of people look down on them, especially after losing in the first round last year to UMBC. Oh, there's no question Virginia can win the whole thing. I mean, a lot of people doubt the Cavs because, uh, you know, the flops they've had in March in the past, and specifically last year against uh, UMBC when they got upset by the Retrievers. But, you know, you've got uh, – a Virginia team that's number three in the nation in defensive efficiency, and they're much better offensively than they have been in the past. A lot of people tend to forget that DeAndre Hunter was out last year in that first-round upset. And, uh, you know, when you look at Kyle Guy, uh, Ty Jerome, and DeAndre Hunter, and what those guys can do on the offensive end, in addition to how great this team is on the defensive end of the floor, uh, I I think this is Tony Bennett's best shot. Uh, to get to the final four. And I, in fact, I, if the draw is somewhat fair, uh, I don't see how Virginia doesn't at least get to the elite eight and have a crack at the final four and could win this whole thing. I mean, I'm not as skeptical of Virginia as some people are just because of what's happened in the past. This is a different team. I think these guys will play with a little bit more of an edge because of what happened last year, the embarrassment losing in that first game, man, don't forget you know, before Jay Wright won his first title at Villanova, there were a lot of people mm-hmm. who thought that Jay Wright was uh, a big-time underachiever in the postseason, and they were very unhappy, uh, you know, with his uh, postseason track record. Then all of a sudden, the guy breaks through. Once he gets over the hump, he wins two titles in three years, and he's a genius. Well, Tony yep. Bennett's a genius. He's just had some bad luck in March, and his teams have been good enough offensively. This team's good enough offensively. So, uh, of course, I give Virginia one hell of a shot. Sounds like we're on the same page there. Well, let's uh, move to the Big Ten, Matt. Tournament starts in Chicago on Wednesday. A couple big pieces of information. Michigan State looking to get back big man Nick Ward after being out nearly a month with a hand injury. A little less uh, important, but important in terms of bubble uh, teams. Ohio State gets back big man Caleb Wesson after being suspended for three games for an undisclosed violation of the athletic department policy. Michigan State has, uh, I've doubted them a couple times this year, Matt. They're, uh, and they've proven me wrong. Cassius Winston is, is one hell of a player. And uh, th- what they did to Michigan over that last 12 minutes on Saturday really turned my head. Now getting back Nick Ward. Do you see value in any in trying to beat Michigan State in this tournament as uh, the plus 170 favorite, at least on Bet America, with any of the teams, Michigan, Purdue, Wisconsin, Maryland, even Indiana, or any of those teams, or are they just too much for you to take on right now? Well, I mean, it's a cliche, but I do think this uh, is somewhat of a wide-open tournament because um, I don't think Michigan State's had dominant of a favorite. You have to admire what Tom Izzo's done. I mean, the Spartans are 15-5 and five against the spread in Big Ten play, and that includes a three-game losing streak where they just kind of lost their way for a week, and they've had so many injuries. I mean, that's an, that's an incredible accomplishment considering how shorthanded the Spartans were uh, to cover 15 of 20 games and win 16 straight up in the Big Ten share that uh, regular season championship with Purdue. Um you mentioned it. To me, the, uh, the theme of this is the guys who are coming back, and that's Nick Ward. He's going to be back on the floor for Michigan State. Caleb Wesson going to be back for Ohio State. They were 0-3. The Buckeyes were without Wesson, and they're in what I think is an elimination game, an NCAA elimination game with Indiana in the uh, Thursday 
Thursday round. And uh, Michigan's going to get Charles Matthews back, it looks like, and the Wolverines need him back because they lack depth. The one guy I'm not sure is going to be back on the floor is Vic Law, the senior for Northwestern. He suffered a leg injury Saturday. And if Northwestern's going to win a game or even compete in this tournament, they need uh, Vic Law on the floor for the Wildcats. I'm not sure that's going to happen. So when I look at uh, the Big Ten tournament, I expect the Cats to go down without much of a fight against Illinois on uh, Wednesday. And uh, if, if Vic Law can't play, I think Illinois advances there. Nebraska never recovered from uh, Isaac Copeland's season-ending knee injury. Huskers went 3-11 down the stretch. Huge disappointment. Probably going to cost Tim Miles his job. I don't think they regroup in time here. If you look at um, the way Rutgers has played down the stretch, uh, pretty impressive. And uh, I think Rutgers takes out Nebraska in that other game on Wednesday. So I've got Rutgers and Illinois advancing in the bracket. I said the Indiana-Ohio State game's an elimination game. The winner faces Michigan State. I'm going to give the edge to the Hoosiers here. Believe it or not, they come in hot. Uh, they went through that 1-12 and 12 stretch, uh, but they've won four in a row. And Juwan Morgan's played really well down the stretch, and some other guys have stepped up for Indiana. So I'm going to go with the hotter team, and I'm going to, I'm going to say Indiana moves on to play Michigan State, and that's going to be a double revenge game for the Spartans. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's hard, to, it's hard for me to picture Indiana beating Michigan State three times. So I'll say the Spartans uh, move on there. In the bottom half of the bracket, I, I think it's the team that's most interesting to me is Penn State because I think Minnesota's in the tournament with that upset of Purdue last week. I think that got the Gophers in, so the pressure's kind of off. Uh, Penn State started 0-10 in the Big Ten, Scott, and finished 7-13. and What a credit that is to Patrick Chambers to get his team to uh, rebound from a 10-game losing streak to start conference play. You go 7-3 and three down the stretch, 5-1 and one in the final six games. So, you know, I'm not going to rule out Penn State here as, long, as a long shot at about 50-1. to one. Um, Do I expect it to happen? No, but it could happen. And, uh, you know, kind of like Louisville in the ACC or South Carolina in the SEC, you know, Penn State's one of these teams that's capable of making a run really playing as well as anybody aside from Michigan State in the conference down the stretch. I think, you know, you can take a look at Maryland at 15-1. to Anthony Cowan has played exceptionally well at point guard, and you got Bruno Fernando and uh, some strength in the low post. It wouldn't surprise me if Maryland made a run. I think my pick to win this tournament is going to be Michigan. And um, Wolverines are at 5-2, to two, so, you know, there's not much value. You're talking about plus 250 in a tournament like this. But the number one seed has won this tournament only once in the past six years. John Beeline has won it. You know, this guy's got March Magic. He's won the tournament the past two times. I think it's an eight seed and a five seed. And uh, that bottom half of the bracket, Michigan would probably face, I think, the Purdue-Penn State winner. Yep. And I expect Michigan to win that and move on to the championship game. So, I lean to Michigan as my pick to win the Big Ten. You speak of Penn State very highly, and as you should, I'd like you mentioned Patrick Chambers. Uh, you know the fact that I've heard rumors that he might not, they might not want to bring him back, is absurd to me. When you you have the bad luck that they had to start the year, and they've got Lamar Stevens, who didn't make the first team All Big Ten squad, but he's as good as just about anyone, other than maybe Cassius Winston, in my opinion, a go-to guy that can yep. kind of 
carry them, uh, and if in tight games get you know make plays and score big hoops. So definitely at uh, I see them at plus forty six hundred on Bet America. You said maybe fifty to one you got in on or even higher. So uh, definitely I I wouldn't be doing my. Uh, audience who uh maybe has a few more wisconsin badger fans in it than uh than most uh the service without asking your opinion of them i i know my thoughts you give wisconsin any sort of chance either in uh in the tournament or in this tournament oh yeah definitely give wisconsin a chance it's uh you know with uh, the way davidson and trice can shoot and then you got uh, ethan happ who i think is one of the smartest uh craftiest low post players i've seen in the big 10 in a long time this guy exceptional footwork and intelligence. Um, I I would be surprised if Wisconsin, uh, you know, doesn't have a good showing in this tournament or the NCAA tournament. I, I don't think the ceiling is exceptionally high for this team and uh, the NCAAs, but uh, Wisconsin, I think Scott is number five in defensive efficiency in the nation. Is that right, on Ken Palm? Yeah, number so, four now, yeah. actually. Yep, yep. Okay, so any any team like that that's, that's that's that good on the defensive end of the floor. I certainly give the Badgers a shot to do something. But, you know, they got veterans and uh, they defend. So uh, the Badgers definitely have a shot. That's why I say the Big Ten is kind of a cliche, but to me, it's kind of a wide open conference. There's only, you know, two or three teams you look at and say they can't win it. Yeah, I mean, I, I see a lot of positives for the Badgers. My, my concern, having watched them closer than anyone, at, you know, being an alum, is the foul shooting is just so horrendous that in close games, I just don't trust us mm-hmm. to win, even though we've had some good success. <laughs> but when, when you shoot as poorly as we do uh, from the free throw line, you're just playing with fire. We are, uh, let's see, yeah, I lost the stats here, free throw. But we're, we're in the bottom. I mean, it's, it's very uh, surprising for a Wisconsin team to be so poor, but we're 334 fourth in the nation in free throw Ooh. shooting, which is pretty pathetic and tough to get by. Um, yeah, I said all those nice, oh, ahead, I said all those nice things about Ethan Happ, but man, he can't make free throws. And he struggled a little bit down the stretch. I know it hasn't been noticed as much by the national media, but he was absolutely dominant for most of the season. And he still is who we run the offense through and he commands so much attention, but he's turned the ball over more and he's not making quite as many shots. I don't know if he's tired Hopefully he can get rejuvenated with this little bit of an extended break, but uh, he hasn't been quite the same player, in my opinion, over the last five or so games. Um, all right, let's go to the Big 12 match. Starts tomorrow in Kansas City. Uh, Kansas will be without Gerald Vick, uh, who will not return to the team from a leave of absence. And the big news to me is Kansas State, who's the second choice in this tournament. Dean Wade appears doubtful now uh, because of discomfort in his foot. And, boy, did this team really kick it in when Wade came back. They were a, an average team at best, it seemed like, in the conference. Obviously played good defense but struggled to score. And then Dean Wade came back, and, and they really took it to another level. Texas Tech, the significant favorite and deservingly so. Do you see any value here in terms of the uh, Big 12 tournament futures? I do not like Kansas State for the exact reason you just mentioned. Dean Wade's foot injury is a huge deal. Now, that's not a very good team without Dean Wade's mediocre team. And I think that could clear the way for Iowa State, uh, believe it or not, in the top half of that bracket. So I'm looking at Iowa State, uh, maybe Texas Tech, a rematch of what we just saw on Saturday when Tech clinched to share of the uh, Big 12 title by winning names. That might be uh, your Big 12 championship game. I mean, Texas Tech is uh, number one in the nation in defensive efficiency. Ahead of Michigan and Virginia and Wisconsin, 
But, you know, that team's really improved on the offensive end of the floor. Jarrett Culver, is, uh, he's become an elite go-to scorer. I think he was named Big 12 Player of the Year over Dedrick Lawson of Kansas. And uh, you got Moretti and Matt Mooney, uh, who really support Culver on the offensive end. Raiders have scored 78 points or more seven times during their current nine-game winning streak. And I love Chris Beard. Uh, you know, my handicapping, a lot of times, I get sometimes – infatuated with uh, certain coaches like John Beeline and Chris Beard the last uh, three years or so has been a guy I think is on the short list of the best coaches in the country and the way his team defends has to impress you and uh, the fact that there's so much better now on the offensive end of the floor I think Texas team that could possibly make a final four run with the right type of draw I, I think Kansas ha- has a low ceiling when Udoka Azubuke went out. You, you take a seven-one, two hundred and eighty-pound center out of the equation. Uh, that's certainly going to uh, cause some major problems. And Lawson's doing all he can. I mean, the guy averages nineteen points and ten and a half rebounds a game, but he's a center of attention in a four-guard lineup. And without Gerald Vick, I, I just can't see Kansas doing too much. So the Jayhawks face Texas on Thursday, and the winner of that would probably play Texas Tech. Kerwin Roach is going to be back for the Longhorns in that game. Uh, I would still have to favor Kansas to win that game and move on to play Tech, but I just cannot bet against Tech, Scott. I, I like this team a lot. I've got a future on Tech to win the whole thing. I think Iowa State, on about 7-2 to two odds, uh, has got a good chance to come out of the top of that bracket because of Dean Wade's injury if he does not play. Uh, but I'm going to go with Texas Tech at plus 160 to win this tournament. Yeah, I'm with you. I can't play against this Texas Tech team. I've kind of fallen in love with both Beard and Jarrett Culver. Culver is another one of those guys that you want the ball in his hands at the end of, the, of a close game. He seems to really be thriving right now. And, uh, yeah, I don't I don't really see any reason. And I, like you, I think Texas Tech, especially in, you know, pools and things like that where they just don't have the same name recognition. I mean, they, you know, they're not sure. Let's see what they are on the – the futures market right now, they are. What did you get in at, Matt? You said you got, I assume you got I think in I got, I got Texas Tech somewhere around 35 or 40 to 1. I'd have to double check, but I think that's a pretty good number for a team like that. I mean, I really do believe they have the best coach, the toughest defense, and the top offensive player in the Big 12. Yeah, I, I agree. Great. They definitely are a team. That's a good price. I mean, they certainly could make a, a significant run. All right, uh, let's move to the SEC here. I know we have uh, just a few moments left to chat. Uh, starts on Wednesday in Nashville. Uh, bigger, Biggest news probably is that Kentucky could get Reed Travis back after being out with a sprained right knee for almost a month. Sounds like even if he plays, though, it'll be limited minutes and, and with the goal of, of having him ready for the big dance. Uh, Tennessee and UK, this is, you know, basically equal about two to one, uh, Tennessee, the slight favorite here on bet America plus plus one ninety. Then you have Auburn and LSU in that next tier, obviously LSU with the off the court issues. And then it's at least 11 to one or higher, 10 to one or higher on everybody else. Is it worth taking a uh, shot here against Tennessee and Kentucky with a longer shot? Or is this kind of another stay away or maybe just play the games individually? Well, like, like I mentioned before, I I did take a shot on South Carolina. At oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry. And yep. uh, I, I read that uh, A.J. Lawson has a chance to come back for the Gamecocks this week, and if they're going to win this tournament, they're going to need him on the floor. Uh, Chris Silva can carry uh, Carolina a long way, but uh, I think their potential is limited without A.J. Lawson. But if he comes back, Carolina could do it because in the top half of that bracket, 
I don't think many people realize this, Scott, but South Carolina is the number four seed in the SEC, and that's a team that's 16 and 15. So they've really played better uh, in the second half of the season under Frank Martin, who's another coach I like a lot. But, you know, on the top of that bracket, I think LSU is extremely vulnerable as a top seed because of Will Wade's suspension and everything that's gone on in Baton Rouge. I, I kind of feel like that's the beginning of the end for the Tigers. They won the SEC, but I don't think they're going to win this tournament. I would look at maybe Florida at 15-1, to maybe making a run, or South Carolina at 50-1 to to come out of the top half of that bracket. And then the bottom, Tennessee and Kentucky, fight it out. And if Reed Travis – it's not back. We saw how Grant Williams was able to uh, have his way in the low post against Kentucky when Travis was not on the floor in that second meeting in Knoxville. I'd have to give the Vols the edge if Reed Travis is, you know, his minutes are limited or he's not able to play in this tournament. So that's kind of the way I look at it right now. You know, before we know for sure what Travis's status is, I think I have to give Tennessee a slight edge over Kentucky. Um, you know, I, I like Tennessee a lot in that second meeting because Travis is not going to play and Grant Williams delivered. And uh, I think it might be more of the same when these, these teams meet for a third time if Travis does not play. Yeah, South Carolina really, uh, like you said, kind of under the radar. They're a team that uh, we're not really talking NIT at this point, but I've, I've kind of kept that in the back of my head for the last couple of weeks. They kind of made a run where it looked like they were maybe getting on the bubble, and then they lost three in a row, uh, two of them on the road, and then they, the, the tough loss at home to Alabama uh, in late February. Mm. But Frank Martin, like you said, one of my favorite coaches as well. Tough nose. You know they're going to play hard. I think if they obviously if they don't win the SEC tournament, they're going to be in the NIT. I think it's a team to take a look at, uh, maybe ride a little bit in the National Invitational Tournament. One other team though, Matt, uh, that I've kind of been falling in love with a little bit for what they are, at least team pick for last place. Coach Kermit Davis today gets the SEC Coach of the Year. What do you think of Ole Miss? Uh, do you give them a shot to make to win some games, or do you think they're just too limited on the front court? No, I, I give Old Miss a shot. I, I that was not one of the the teams I had considered playing in the futures, but that didn't mean Old Miss doesn't have a shot. It's uh, I, I was looking at Tennessee and South Carolina more. Uh, I thought Old Miss kind of peaked a while ago and hasn't played its best basketball recently, so uh, I was kind of looking in a different direction. But no, you, you could be onto something there with Old Miss. It's just not not the team I was highlighting there. Yeah, they kind of fit that profile that with Louisville almost with me. They played a lot of the top teams very close and taken some tough losses. And I just mm-hmm. love their their, yep. their three guard uh, the, the three guards that they have there are really really strong and can make plays down the stretch. But I am a little worried about them uh, up front. They don't quite have have the horses to compete with some of these other teams and, and even in the tournament. Um, all right, before I let you go, Matt, I really appreciate you joining me. Just uh, obviously, we're thinking. Conference tourneys this week, but the big dance is what's on most people's minds. Do you have a team that you like to win it, maybe, and a, and a sleeper or two that you can give the give the folks before uh, before we're done here? Well, you know, before you see the bracket, I think it's always tough to uh, say that stuff. I, I always like to make those predictions more when I see how the draw comes out on Sunday night. But um, obviously, in uh, an early game, I've, I've talked about this team for two months, and it's not a secret anymore. So I can't call uh, Wofford a sleeper, but about two months ago, I said this is the type of team that could, you know, be a, a 10 or a 12 seed and win a first round game and maybe win two games and reach Sweet 16 because they have 
experienced guards who can shoot the three. They got, I think, their top four scorers all shoot better than 38%. Three of the top four shoot better than 42% from three-point range. But, well, you know, Wofford's not a secret anymore. So some of the value is kind of lost in uh, that Cinderella type of team. Uh, aside from that, I did like Washington a lot. But, you know, the Huskies really faded. I, sometimes, Scott, a team peaks too soon or clinches a conference too soon. And I think that might have been the case with Washington because uh, the Huskies went 2-2 two and two and they were lucky to have that record in their final four games. And this seemed to have lost their edge. The top 20 in defensive efficiency – Mike Hopkins, uh, former Jim Bayheim assistant, has a 2-3 zone scheme that really causes problems for a lot of teams offensively. But you know, the Huskies have faded a little bit down the stretch. And to tell you the truth, I kind of like Oregon headed into the Pac-12 tournament because that's the hottest team in the conference yeah. actually going into the tournament in Vegas uh, this week. And Oregon's got a pretty good draw. Um, let's see. I, I like Texas Tech a lot still. Um I think Tech can be a Final Four team. You know, we talked about that, so I won't go over much. But uh, my pick to uh, to win the whole thing, Scott's going to be the, the team I had power-rated number one when the season started. And now the Killian Tilly's back on the floor, and he hit three threes last night for Gonzaga in the West Coast Conference tournament game. Uh, the Zags back to full strength. I really believe Gonzaga has what it takes to win the whole thing. I was out at the Maui Invitational in November, and I watched – Gonzaga beat Duke without Tilly, and if uh, the Zags can beat Duke without him, I don't see why the Zags can't go on a run here and win the whole thing. So that's probably when I fill out the bracket. My pick to win it's probably going to be Gonzaga. Yeah, number one in Ken Palm's adjusted offensive efficiency, 16th in defense. The only time I saw really anything negative of them was in that North Carolina game, but that was in Chapel Hill, and they kind of they kind of struggled defensively to stop that. But but a lot of teams have struggled to stop North Carolina uh, in the open court. So, well, Matt, it's been awesome having you on. I really appreciate you carving some time out for me here uh, on the Who Do You Like podcast. And uh, I guess that's it. We're out of time here, folks. But um, We'll be back next Tuesday to uh, break down the brackets. They'll be out at that point, and I'll have the incomparable Greg Hoops Peterson on with me. But until then, good luck in all your endeavors, and uh, have a great championship week. This has been the Who Do You Like podcast. For more information and to place your bets, go to betamerica.com.